Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode number 140 of Good Humans Podcast with a very good friend of mine and a special guest, somebody who is Australia's pretty much fastest growing social media superstar at the moment, making a huge impact on so many, over half a million new followers over the past eight months uh, with some really popular and really powerful content that's helping a lot of people. So you're going to love this episode. And the guest name is Chris Griffin, somebody who has been a friend of mine for quite some time. And it was really nice to look back and understand his story a bit more and understand why he is the way he is. We've only been friends for a couple of years, so it was really nice to get to understand a little bit more about his story. A big thank you, of course, to our sponsors, Drink a Repper. If you've never listened to this podcast, you might not have heard about them. They are the brain drink. All backed by neuroscience, millions of dollars of clinical studies have gone into this product. It's a black currant juice. It's this drink in a glass bottle that you can pick up at Coles and Woolies. Look for the purple glass bottle with a big A on it. And yeah, it's all good for your brain. It's got a few different key natural ingredients, no caffeine at all. Think of it like an energy drink, but that's healthy for you. So the natural ingredients are a New Zealand neuroberry, which is a black currant, absolutely delicious, combined with L-theanine, which is a calming agent from green tea, and then also a special pine bark extract from over in New Zealand. I love this stuff. I use it every single day. Chris has been drinking it quite a bit as well. I went over to his house to record this podcast episode and he actually had a bunch in the fridge already. So you know he loves it as well. If you want to try it out, if you want to learn more about it, head over to the website drinkarepa.com. That's drink, A-R-E-P-A.com. Check out the science. I've got all their studies there. You can learn about what it's going to do for your brain. But most importantly, you can use that code GOODHUMAN and get a huge 25% off at checkout. It is a pretty premium product. They've spent so much money on creating the product and all the science behind it that it is quite premium. It costs about 7 or $8 if you buy it in Woolies. But if you buy it in bulk online using that code GOODHUMAN, you can get it down to about 4 or $5 a bottle. So go check it out. Use that code. And if you enjoy it, share it on your social media. Tag both myself and Drink Rep. I would love to know what you think of it. Also, a big thank you to everyone who has been grabbing some good Human Factory merch. It's been so cool to see so many people tagging us on social media, so many of you really letting us know about the positive conversations and the positive impact that it's had on yourself, on your family, and on your community by just wearing our merch. The little simple messages like, be kind to your mind on your back. You really never know who's going to be walking behind you. Read that message. It's going to make their day, which hopefully for you, you know it's going to make your day as well, knowing that you're helping people out. So head over to the website, find a design you like. We've got plenty of really cool stuff, both men's and women's. Uh, Use the code podcast over on thegoodhumanfactory.com and you can get a big 25% off everything over there as well. Also on the website, you can learn more about our ambassador and most importantly, the workshops that I run with both corporates and with high schools. I've spoken to about 100 uh, different high schools all around the country to about 25 to 35,000 students, I believe it is now. 
many, many different corporate companies from small businesses all the way up to companies like Amazon, Red Bull, Telstra, Apple, McDonald's and plenty more uh, I've worked with over the last couple of years. So if you want to learn more about the workshops, check them out over on the website. Okay, today's episode, Chris Griffin. Wow, really interesting story. It's so interesting when you have a friend who has been a mate of yours for a couple of years and you don't know much more about before you've met them. So with Chris, we learned all about the fact that he grew up in Airlie Beach up in northern Queensland with a pretty small community and a really different, I guess, lifestyle to living in a major city. He then at about 12 years old moved down to the Gold Coast and started life down here. But then something happened at the end of year, towards year 12, he met a new friend who opened his mind to business and kind of understanding that maybe school isn't the best way for him to learn and the best way for his, I guess, capabilities. So he took a bit of a different route, started to get really into business, which made him get a bit separated, I guess, from his friendship group, from his family towards the end of high school. Then COVID hit, he moved down to Sydney, He had a car washing business that went pretty epic, which then he tried to change up and turn into a tech business. Didn't really work, but he learned a lot of really valuable lessons. He then had looked at going into a few other tech spaces, but then he started doing some stuff on social media. He wanted to share a bit about the lessons he'd learned along his journey around relationships, also around business and health and fitness, and started posting a lot on social media. And then one month on TikTok, things just went gangbusters for him over 200,000 followers in a month or two, and it just went massive. And now he's really changed his direction and he's going to try and leverage and utilize the audience he's built to make a big impact and to bring positive, positive messages to everybody who follows his channels and work through them with the stuff that he does. So you guys are going to love this episode. I think Chris is a great guy. I've um, really enjoyed watching his growth. It's been so cool to see the consistency and dedication he's put into, yeah, having the growth that he's had and he deserves every bit of good stuff that comes to him in his life. So make sure after this episode, if you enjoy it, you send both myself and Chris a little message on Instagram. Let us know what you thought. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a little interact over on Spotify. Or if you want to be an absolute legend, just send it to a friend. Text your mate. Go, hey, this is a good episode. You might learn something out of this and it might positively impact you. Or if you want to be a real legend, just put it on your Instagram story. But the easiest thing you can do is just leave us a little like or a subscribe. Come back for the other episodes. There's 139 other guest episodes on this podcast. All incredible people from entrepreneurs, health experts, everything in between. And I encourage you to go check them all out. So go back, have a look through the catalog if you enjoyed today's episode. But let's jump into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast. Chris Griffin, how you going, so mate? good to be here, mate. I'll cheers you with my rapper. Mate, absolutely. So cheers, welcome man. to the podcast. A little rapper cheers. Mm. Yeah, it was nice. I got to bring a little case over for you and you're like, oh, I've already got some in the fridge from when they sent me some. I was like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're that. bloody bloody cool little company from New Zealand and yeah, I think they're, they're great. Love it. But man, it's been a great morning. I've uh, come over here to your beautiful little place in Bondi. We... Had a nice little workout this morning, went for a run, did a little bit of a swim and a little bit of, um, what was I going to say, a little bit of working out on the bars down at Bondi, which was good yep. fun. And then we jumped on your podcast. I had a little bit of a chat and now we're on went my podcast. Local, went to the local cafe I go down to here in Depot, which is amazing. Had some food. Um, another conversation for the day. And here so we are. Good. I'm excited for this one. We've been friends for a couple of years now and we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while. Yep. 
and we're finally getting to do it. So I'm really excited because quite often when I have guests on this podcast who are friends from the last couple of years, I never know too much about their story. And I asked you real quickly before we started recording, where did you grow up? And you were like, in Early Beach. And I was like, all right, this conversation is going to be super interesting because I absolutely have not too much of an idea about your upbringing and about your life up until basically the last two years. So looking forward to jumping into this. But the first question I open Good Humans with always is, what are you grateful for in life right now? I think I'm grateful. I'm reminded of the environment that I'm in and I'm so grateful for that every day. And even from the smallest things of walking down, I do, I do like a um, no phone time every night now. And, you know, my life is so on my phone heavy with work, um, obviously doing social media and things of that nature full time now. I'm, I'm so on my phone and my screen time so high. So I think it's really important every single night I walk down to the beach. Um, I'm, I'm living in Bondi. We walk down to the beach, leave our phones at home. And just get reminded every day of how amazing the places we live. And I, I haven't done too much travel and I find that I feel like when I do that, I'll have some amazing perspective. But I'm just really grateful for the environment that I've got around me and the people that I have in my life. Um, and we spoke a little bit on my podcast about how friend groups do change a lot and I'm, I'm really happy with the people that are in my life now and they're really motivating and inspiring me to level up. I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is yeah, gratitude for, for the people and the places around me. Love that. It sounds like you're in a really special place right now. It's been really cool watching your growth the last couple of years through your social media and then morphing into now what you're doing with your fitness and the community that you're building with a bunch of your friends here in Bondi. It's really cool to watch from the outside and I'm really excited to get to know how you got to here. So I want to go back to the beginning. Tell me about your upbringing. You said up until 12 years old, you lived on Airly Beach. Mm. How was that? Ellie Beach. So I was born in the closest hospital to Ellie Beach, Proserpine. So it's about a 30-minute drive, um, tiny little town. I was born there, but I grew up in, in Ellie Beach. And Where is Ellie Beach? So Whitsundays. Whitsundays. So, yeah, yeah. So Ellie Beach is like the mainland of yeah, Whitsundays, yeah. right? So the Whitsunday Islands, everyone knows like Hamilton Island yes, and things yes. of that nature. So my dad is a muso, um, plays guitar, piano and sings. And he worked on Hamilton Island on one of the hotels there. And... Uh, I used to go, I went to a little, uh, it's not a very big town, right? And so it's not, Ellie Beach hasn't got a lot of people, but I went to Whitsunday Christian College and um, I'm not very religious, but that was the school we went to. From prep to grade 12, there was 400 kids in the whole school. Tiny. And that's the school I went to. Um, you know, sometimes a grade would only have 17 people. It was not very big and uh, and yeah, and so that was where I kind of grew up and then, Every weekend I would hop on the ferry over to Hamilton Island and spend the weekend with my dad. I'd go sh catch the bus on Friday, Arvo, straight from school to the ferry, go over the ferry to Hamilton Island and spend the weekend with my dad. We got looked after really well on Hamilton Island. And so I would go there, he would play piano and sing or guitar and I would sit there building puzzles or, and stuff and on the island and then would go go-karting and tennis and golf and that sort of stuff. Um, and it was a really, really fun life, you know. Um, siblings? Siblings. I've got three sisters and a brother. Wow, full family. Big yeah, fam. full family. Um, two older sisters have uh, a different dad, but my dad basically brought them up um, from a very young age. And so, yeah, 37, 35, and then I've got a twin brother and sister, which are 24, 
and they're twins and then I'm the youngest so oh, um, at 22 so yeah it's a it's a big family we all we all lived there um, then my sister Sarah relocated to the Gold Coast while we were living in Ellie Beach and then um, you know five or so years later is when we packed up shop from Ellie Beach and moved to the Gold Coast when I was just turning 12. What was that like as a 12-year-old? Was that something reflecting back on it now, 10 years ago for you now? You're 22. How was that for a change for you, going from kind of quite a quiet holiday destination life? I mean, moving to the Gold Coast, I guess, is pretty holiday destination as well, but big city compared to Ellie Beach. So what was that change like for you? It was the last thing I wanted to do. Really? I was so scared. I was, like, leaving my best friends and... Like I built up these cool friends. My friend Harry at the time, we used to just run a mark in Ellie Beach as a young youngsters. We would, you know, skate around and we'd go to the blue light discos and like have kissing contests to see how many girls we could kiss and we were like nine years old and and you know, when you look back on those moments, uh, it was the most life changing thing that my parents could have ever done for me was mm. take me out of there because there's not much opportunity there and there's not much to do. Mm. So when you don't have much to do what do the kids resort to? It's like not very good stuff. Right on the mark. <laughs> like I came back a couple of years later and or, or even a year later, I left at the perfect time and they're all like doing this thing like fridging. So like going into caravan parks and stealing all the people's drinks out of the eskies and stuff. And, you know, they were smoking and doing all this stuff at 13 years old. And I was so blessed that I left at that time because who knows where I could have been. You know, they mm. took me out of that and everyone there basically got into this hectic cycle and it was almost like there's no universities there so you go to brisbane or something the closest uni which is 12 hour drive or whatever it is to mm. brisbane so that was a really transformational time for me um but you know my first year of being in the gold coast was a very challenging year so i was in going into grade seven at school yeah starting high school yep and so at the time that was yeah the first year of oh actually no before it was the it was the last year of primary school because wow. we were the last uh year group that had grade seven in primary school then oh, they okay. moved it so then uh i was at a, i went to ashmore state school on the gold coast i, I was i grew up in ashmore and i was only there for one term and I got like properly bullied by like the teachers. It was really weird. They really picked on me. Um, and I remember it was horrible. Um, like, like I would get like the whole table would be running a mark and they would like send me away and I would have to go and they would like give me all these detentions and all this stuff. It was really hectic. Um, and it actually got pretty bad. And then so I left that school after one term um, and moved to uh, a, like a Catholic school down the road next to Benoa High, which was the high school I ended up going to. But in that one month of being at Ashmore, I met my best friend at the time, Max, and I went. I joined the footy team, uh, the Demons, which uh, I was playing AFL at a high level. And so I'd moved to, to like playing footy with him and I started becoming best friends with Max and we became properly best mates, hang out every day, do everything together. He was at Ashmore and then he, um, when I went to Benoa, he then went to Helensvale and then we just were really good mates for a few years and that was kind of a really transformational time for me too because, yeah, he kind of brought this little bit of rebel out of me and he's a very, like, reckless kid and funny kid. And a lot of my humour I, I attribute to him um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for him but equally... 
um, I'm very glad that I, I stepped away from that and, and chose to hang out with some people that were going to be more inspiring and motivating for me. Which can be hard when you're a kid. It's like you kind of just, we talked about this when we went, when I was on your podcast just before, you get thrown into school and it's like you've only got 30 guys to kind of not choose from but to connect with someone and like the chances that you find someone who's really aligned with you is pretty rare. You're obviously going to have a few similarities with people but your similarities are generally what's going on at school and what's going on in your local sport and stuff like that. But then once you get older and you start to realize, hey, there's a big wide world out there and there's a whole lot more people out there, you start to realize I can really start to pick and choose my friends who align truly with what my purpose and value is, which I can see now it sounds and looks like you're in that amazing sort of alignment right now, which we're going to catch up to. But I want to talk about now high school. So bullied by the teachers in primary school, new start, moving into high school, what was the high school experience like for you? Still playing a lot of AFL, starting to, yeah, grow up a bit older. What did you think going through high school sort of your future was going to look like? Yeah, it's – well, in high school, I just run amok. Like, uh, uh, the teachers would hate – they did hate me. It was just like – I was just one of those cool kids. In grade 12, I won the jock award at school. Like, they literally – all the students had to vote for all of these different awards – and I won the jock award. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, like school wasn't really for me. I'm, I'm beyond blessed for my experience at school. But if we backtrack to my first year of high school. So in that first year moving to the Gold Coast, I my health went a bit on the back foot. It wasn't, obviously I was going through puberty and things of that nature, but I definitely put on a little bit more size as a person. I was never, I was never a fat fat kid but I got a bit a bit of chubs right and when I went into school I went into a, I got into like a sports excellence program and we like a lot of our stuff we were doing a lot of like exercise and training and in grade eight I fully transformed my body in the sense that like I was obviously a little kid but I went from being a bit chubby not defined at all to being ripped, having a six pack. And I noticed the impact that had on my confidence mm. and how, how important it was to look good and feel good because I just found I had this spring in my step that I never had before. Mm. So that really instilled the importance of health at such a young age for me. But if we go through the years a bit more, you know, I nearly got kicked out of um, that excellence program because I like bullied, I like... Yeah, I like bullied someone and was like throwing fruit at someone. I was an idiot. Like I was that. I was the worst kid. Yeah, when did this switch? Because I'm. I see you now, and you're such a self-aware, kind human. Do you think when you were going through those ages? Because I think back to my times in those years. It, it sounds very similar to me. But I just always felt like there was almost this voice telling me, "Don't do it." Like this, like I call it, like my inner good human. But then I'd almost still do it just because of the expectation of what I thought it would make me look cool to the people around me. When did you still feel like, could you kind of feel like you weren't living to your values back then or were you kind of blinded to it? I was definitely blinded to it, but I never thought like, I never felt guilty. I just did it. And, um, and, but then something really switched. I even, one of my best friends from school, Lockie, I used to bully him and then we became best friends and like would hang out heaps. I just, I don't know where it came from. It might've been some sort of insecurity that I was trying to project on, on someone trying else. To fit in and- yeah. And obviously moving around a new, new city and stuff. But, um, but then it all changed and I started 
sticking up for people that were getting bullied. And it was like a really hectic switch where people would bully people and I would just stand up for them and like rip into the people that are bullying them. And then even with the teachers, like there was some teachers that were just so harsh to students and kids and, and me included, but, um, but I would like to stick up for all these people. And I started helping people like just got kind of because people were just getting bullied all the time and it wasn't, it wasn't nice. And that kind of, you know, stemmed throughout high school. Um, but you know, I've come a long way since high school. Mm. Um, I think the most important part to progress the story is in my final year of high school, you asked like, when did I, did I know what I was going to do? And mm. what, what was this? I had no idea. I was so lost. You know, I was getting pulled in all these different directions. Like I should be going to uni. Oh, there's these people at these career nights that are going to tell you to do this. And like, you should go and look at all these stools. And, and I would go around on these career nights to all these different stools with people trying to tell you about these different careers and nothing excited me. I was like, what the fuck? Is this my life? Like, is this what I'm going to do? And I went through this really lost phase where I just didn't really know. I wanted more in my life but I didn't know what it was. And, you know, I was playing footy. I was in the Gold Coast Suns Academy. I was playing at a high level and I just didn't know what was going on. Parents were all this pressure on me. They were getting uh, calls from my teachers saying I wasn't doing my work and they were all like, dad wanted to send me to like a private school because I wasn't doing good. And I was like, no, don't send me that. You'll waste your money because it's not going to change my thoughts. I just didn't want to go to uni. And then... I met Sam, who's Sam Hope, we, a mutual friend of ours, but um, my best friend. And we were both injured at footy and we were both doing rehab together in footy, just getting our injuries better. And he just told me that he had dropped out of school. And I knew he was quite a switched on, smart guy. And he was a straight A student at school and he had dropped out. And I was like, what? We're in grade 12, like final year of school. You're dropping out of school. I was so intrigued. And he dropped out in term two of grade 12. He had two more terms to stick out. And the way he just said it was like, yeah, yeah, look, I wasn't going to uni. I decided it wasn't for me. And I thought if I was staying in school, like just to get a certificate that I was never going to use, I I thought I best just go out into the real world and start my journey now. So I just packed up shop. And I was just like, what? Here's a straight A student. He wanted to become a lawyer a a year before this. And now he's dropping out of school. And he's dropped out. He's done. He's made it. And then he said, oh, yeah, I'm moving out of home next week as well. I've got a place in, um, in Burley that I'm renting out a studio apartment. I'm like, what? And then he goes, and then he goes oh, yeah, I'm, I'm working with this mentor of mine and um, I've met this friend and he's like killing it in business. He's making 10 grand a month selling fruit bowls and, um, and yeah, I'm going to do this business online. And I'm like, what? And we're all stretching doing rehab here together and I'm just hooked. I'm hooked. Like properly so invested because I'm so intrigued. I've been seeking for something. And the school's but never I, told you these options. But I wasn't exposed to what that thing was. And I heard this and I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm really intrigued. Mm. We kept hanging out. We kept, um, you know, like we were, we knew each other for five years in the academy before this, but we, he was like this weird kid and I was the cool footy captain and he would ask all the questions and no one would really like him. But then I was that idiot, cool guy. And so we had this divide, we were never friends. And then we just clicked and 
that day, um, he told me about a book to get. He was like, yeah, like go get Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, by Robert Kiyosaki and you'll really understand about money, the fundamentals. And I got the book and I read it and finished it in like two weeks and we would go meet up at Merlot Cafe and write down all the reflections from the chapters and stuff and we started getting really close. Then we had this ridiculous morning routine where we would train, get up at 3.30 a.m. in the morning as that video I'm wearing your good human hoodie um, that went really viral on TikTok. It got like two million views of me um, talking about on a podcast about my routine that we used to do back then. Um, and we started hanging out and then would, after the workout, would then go and cook up some food at his studio apartment. And then he would go off to work and I'd go to school and I was doing all this before school. And then it got to a point where I stopped really going to school. I only stayed in school so I could go to the formal and have that fun time at the end. Um, I was getting the girls to do my assignments. I wouldn't bring a single workbook to school. I'd bring a business book and a laptop and we were running an Amazon business at the time and I was doing product research and then I would read in my maths class and I, was, I wasn't doing very hard subjects and so I was just getting by. I was getting C's and B's without trying. If I tried, I could have done well. And then the hard ones, I'd get the girls to write and I'd like make put, insert like dumb words from the smart ones and stuff like that. I was just running amok. But that was an extremely transformational time for me. And I know I've been talking for so no, long. No, no, right I love now. this. This is fascinating yeah. because I think it shows that turning point is sometimes just being open to drop maybe the ego of the kid that you normally wouldn't talk to and going, hey, let me actually have a moment and spend a bit of time with this guy and listen to what he has to say and the way that he ticks and, oh, maybe I actually align more with this than trying to live up to this mask that I wear to be the jock, the class clown, the captain of the footy team. But really, this guy seems far happier than what I am mm. deep down. Maybe I can follow this path. So I think it's a good one for anyone listening to understand that quite often the people that we judge if we actually give them the time of day, can end up being our best friends and the most transformational people ever. But a lot of us have walls up that don't even allow us to see that. Mm, and, and like, it, it got really, really tough. That was a really challenging part of my life. And basically what happened was I went from being this really cool kid to Mr. Businessman. I went from a state, I went to a state school, was not supported in the slightest. And basically, like, overnight, I lost all of my friends. No one would answer my calls. No one would um, hang out with me. I would rock up to school sometimes and they'd be like, oh, I didn't know you were still here, Mr. Businessman. And, and like, they would pay me out and, like, properly was lonely. I, I, no one would hang out with me. Everyone thought this, saw this, like, divide. And then what happened was... Sam, all I had was Sam and then Sam got a job in Sydney and so then he packed up his bags and moved to Sydney in like a month after we were like properly hanging out like every day and then it was just like okay I'm on this journey kind of like on, on my own in a sense and I had Sam obviously on the FaceTime but like like it was, it was a really challenging time because I went against the grain and it would have been so easy to just go back to those friends and, and go back into those old habits. Mm. But I stuck it out and I stuck it out when everyone was telling me like, what are you going to do? Become a tradie. Like, what are you doing? No one believed in me. Like, absolutely no one. Parents were str struggling, like stressing out. Like, what are you doing? And panicking. And then, so you finished school. 
what was that next chapter after school? Sam I already left to, when you finished? Yeah, he'd already left. He'd already left. Um, and he was living in, in Sydney now by himself. Um, and straight after school, I had to get out of home. So I moved out of home. I had to – the dinner table Made conversations were – my mum and dad are split, but I was living with my dad. Um, and the dinner conversations were just too negative. And I needed to be really careful with the people I had around me because it was so draining having negative thoughts in my mind and I had to get out. And sometimes people can't see it. Like even back in 2022, right before the Good Human Factory became like full time for me back in 2022, I remember it was like April and my mum and my older sister, Chloe, who um, is part owner of Fizz, (laughs) there you go, Fizz, we'll catch up to your part of Fizz, well, like, oh, like, are you really going to keep going with this good human factory thing? Like, it's not really, like, getting you enough work. Like, come work for Fizz like, a couple of days a week and, like, just put good human on a back burner. And I was like, it's going to work. Like, I'm not that far off it being full-time. I was working a few days at my mate's factory packing boxes just to, like, keep me going. And then literally a month after that, like, June 2022, I had, like, a really good month and booked a bunch of workshops. And then 2023, like came around and I did like over 200k revenue for the business so it's like you're never that far away from turning stuff into being not profitable but being successful I guess in a way but sometimes you have to not listen to those people closest to you because they just can't see it yeah well how do you expect anyone to believe in your goals weren't theirs in the first place Mm. they're your goals they're not theirs so how do you expect for them to believe but at the same time you've got to hopefully people in your life that just trust you and go good on you and i'm here for you i don't know how that's going to work but i back you i'll give it a go because you kind of need that support but but the thing is that support they think they're giving you the best advice you know when they're like no you should go do this they think like it's not 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 talking down on you and not believing in you but it's more so like "Mm, this is a safe option they care they want you to be safe and secure which is a hard one for parents because you hear some people are like, my parents are so supportive. Anything I want to do, they'll support me. But then I absolutely think my parents are like that too. But then there's still the fear of mm, maybe that's not going to work out, go the safe route. Mm. So what was it like once you moved out of home and started on your journey? Talk me through sort of 18 to 20 because that was once I met you. Yeah, well, 18 to 20 is like two separate people. It's so crazy when I look at that. And the, the journey that I went on was wild. So... I moved out of home the day bef- day after my 18th birthday was when I moved out of home. So that was January the 7th. I moved out on 2020. Um, I moved out of home and I was working full time. I had a girlfriend that I had throughout all of grade 12. So we were together for about a year. And uh, yeah, I was working in a sales job, making $1,500 a month full time with commission. And if I made commission, I'd make more. But like the base was fuck all. It was, yeah. it was actually robbery when you think about it but i learned so much first time i've ever cold call why'd you go to sales because of the business stuff you'd been learning and you'd kept saying that sales is like the most important thing or like communication is the most important thing i sat back and i assessed what are all the characteristics and traits and skill sets that i can learn today that will stand the test of time there's something that i'm going to be able to use in every aspect of my life and the number one one was communication so how do you get good at communication you get a sales job because like 
it's the reps. You're getting the reps in. You're understanding how to speak to people. You're how un- different like, people are. There's so many yeah, different Yeah, and then versions. you also learn about like the emotional roller coasters of sales and not riding those. So if you get a really big win, don't celebrate it too much because if you celebrate too high, the higher the highs, the lower the lows. Yeah. So understanding that you need to, you need to be able to um, basically keep those emotions neutral and that's really powerful when you're in in life because then being able to pivot your conversation based on who you're speaking to when you're speaking to an investor then you're speaking to your um your employee and then you're speaking to your business partner then you have to go home and speak to your romantic partner all conversations are completely different in terms of the way you handle them and sales and learning to master communication is going to allow you to be able to hop out one and basically close a door and go to another one. Mm. And that is a skill set that 0.1% of the world will ever be able to obtain. And I wanted to obtain that because I know that if you can communicate good, you can fake it till you make it. You can deliver your message better. People can understand you and and follow what you're saying a lot more you've got more influence there's so many positives about being able to communicate so that's why i got into sales but what happened was in 2020 right we all know what happened in 2020 but my girlfriend had broken up with me she broke up with me late jan so soon after i'd moved out uh and then march hit and the whole world was going to go into a lockdown and i just got made redundant from my sales job so obviously I wasn't worth 1500 bucks a month for them. So they, um, full time. So they, I got made redundant and the borders were closing. And I was speaking to Sam, he was living in, in Sydney and he was like a bottle of wine deep one, one night. It was a Thursday night. And he goes, mate, why don't you just move down to Sydney? Come, come live here, mate. Let's do this. He's like, you can just crash with me. He's like, why don't you move to Sydney? And I was like, wasn't even a concept in my mind. This was a Thursday night. And he's like, but dude, you've sleep on it, but you've got to let me know tomorrow morning because I'm coming up to the Gold Coast and I've got to let my landlord know if I'm renewing my lease. And because he had only signed a six month lease. And um, and I'm like, I've got to sleep on it. I never thought about moving to Sydney. Like the whole world's going into a lockdown. Who knows? Like I'm going to leave my family, my friends. I don't know anyone in Sydney, nor do you. Like what? Like what? It's going to happen. Anyway, slept on it. And then I gave him a call the next morning and I was like, I'm in, let's do it. The borders were closing the Monday after that. So it was Friday I made the decision. The concept was only raised to me Thursday, Thursday night. Monday I had packed up my whole field, my Subaru with my belongings, moved out of the home that I'd moved out to, out of. Um, fortunately, I wasn't on a lease, I was subletting. And I moved out of that and crossed the borders and drove down to Sydney in March 2020 and went down, went into lockdown. Now, Sam and I were sharing a studio apartment and we had to share a double bed, but it was an apartment underneath someone's garage in Freshie on the Northern Beaches. And uh, it was got really moldy. And so we had to chuck the bed out because the bed got moldy. So we slept on a mattress, a double mattress in the corner of a studio apartment the bathroom was that small that you had to open the shower door inwards, not outwards, because it couldn't open. It basically had like a, a basin, this tiny little shower, uh, a washer-dryer combo and a toilet in this tiny little thing. And then obviously in a studio, the kitchen's connected to the to the room. And so the whole if we cook salmon one night, we're sleeping on a mattress with a smelly pillow. <laughs> like, like, And we did that Grinding. for three months straight three months straight and then we finally moved just down the street on Soldiers Avenue in Freshwater 
and got our own rooms. And that really kickstarted my entrepreneurial journey. Like we, we just hustled and that's when the first business, WoWo, was born. Um, and, and it really What were you doing off. for work when you first got there? No work. No work, just so like when I was on lockdown. And- yeah, and when I was going down, I had a little mobile car cleaning business in the Gold Coast that I would do after school. And so I'd go around to the affluent areas and do little mailbox drops and get some cars to clean. And then I'd put a little A-frame sign up. So hopefully I'd get like some more clients on the street and I'd do that after school and I'd clean some cars and get paid cash. And so I had like a bucket and a vacuum and stuff like that. And when I was packing my car to go to the Gold Coast, I go to Sydney, I thought like, I don't think I'm going to need it, but just in case I'll bring a bucket, a sponge and a vacuum, just in case I need to clean a car, I get stuck. And... I couldn't get any government support or anything because I was didn't have a fair reason to be out of home and I was young. I'd just turned eighteen and um, and anyway, it was struggle. We were struggling. Couldn't get work. Obviously, everything was locked down. So I wrote these little pamphlets and I started mailbox dropping them and I got a couple of clients and I thought like maybe I put the pamphlet, a photo of it, in the local buy swap cell page, the Northern Beaches buy swap cell. It's got like one hundred thirty thousand people in the in the buy swap cell. And I put a really controversial quote in the thing to hopefully gain some traction in the – so many things are well, posted there, right? And this was when everyone was getting um, the government support and everything. And I basically wrote – I wrote this little write-up about me. I have a car cleaning business and I said, in a nutshell – I'm in the vast minority of millennials that are willing to in fact work for their livelihood as opposed to simply taking government support. And I'm not even a millennial. I'm a Gen Z. I didn't even know what I was talking about. But, um, but it just went viral. Went, controversial. Oh, went viral. You don't know the help that these government supports are giving. I was like the ScoMo handout. And I was like, and I just went in and I just said that one line. But then there's like people hating on me in the comments. Then there's all these people supporting me and backing it up. And there's these big arguments. And, and you probably got a lot of clients. So and probably... in one weekend, we booked over 100 cars to clean. The post went viral, got thousands of likes, thousands of comments on the Northern Beaches Buy Swap Sale. Like if anyone went on that page during the probably week after that post, it would have been up the very top because of the engagement. And... We had a hundred cars to clean and we did it flat stick. Sam and I were cleaning cars for two weeks straight, um, 70 bucks cash a pop. And, um, and we we're just cleaning these cars. We we're upselling all these quick waxes and like making 150 bucks from a car. If we did all these different polishes that mm. took like five minutes and, um, and we were, we had a lot of cars to clean, but equally like a lot of thinking to do around what we can do. And I was cleaning a car one day and I just thought, how can I service all of this demand but not have to do it? And we were learning a lot about software at the time and, and creating a software company. And then we thought, what happens if we had an app that connected car cleaners with people that want to get their car clean? Sort of like an Uber or an Airbnb, but mm. for car cleaning. What happens mm. if we had an app that integrated with that and then all of our clients would pay on a subscription just like Netflix. Um, so each month based on the frequency that they wanted their car clean, they would pay accordingly. Uh-huh. And when they would book on the website, then one of our cleaners, uh, the, the closest cleaner to them would then get assigned to them and then it would go into each other's calendars and then it would all be automated and... It's great, right? But what we found after raising $80,000, valued the company at $800,000 after four months of investment, we bought uh, four months of operation. We bought, um, we bought like a financial and business advisory firm on board to uh, like help us out with business advisory and do all of our books and accounting. 
and we got down this journey. We did this for 12 months and um, what we found was people didn't want to subscribe to car cleaning. No one wants to subscribe to car cleaning, right? Like people, if it's dirty, they just want to get it clean. Yeah. Get it. But a crystal car wash will work because you can provide unlimited cleans per month and you know that they're only going to come in x amount of times but for you to deliver that service it's simple they just go through a machine and get it done right it's super easy but with mobile we've got to send a cleaner out there like if they miss a little part under the seat and we get a complaint we've got to send them out they break a hose or whatever Mm. it is like it's a nightmare and um you know the first real hard conversation that we have is when we had to go into that boardroom and say to those investors that this thing's not going to work out <laughs> and we got to hang up the boots. And that was like a really challenging convo to have at 18 years old, two 18 year olds that had just spent all of this investors money on something that didn't work out. And, wow. um, and you know, there's, there's so many lessons from that. There's a whole, there's a whole list of, of different, of different lessons that we can take away from that. Right. But yeah. at the same time, like, God, that was a really stressful and hard time to go through for sure. Yeah, I bet. What um, what was it like when you had to have that conversation? So you lost like eighty grand of investors' money. They were was there some pissed off people or not pissed off? Um, at the end of the day, they invested into us and an idea, and they got equity in exchange for it. And they were having a punt, just like a lot of investments, right? They were having a punt, and you know we equally invested 12 months of our time going all in on this thing it was our thing right and so um you know a lesson that i learned from that though as well which is is a really powerful lesson is it's really important to fall in love with the problem that you're solving Mm. as opposed to the solution that you're providing because if you're in love with the problem the problem is always going to be there Mm. but if the solution doesn't work and you're still in love with the problem, you can just pivot the solution and do something else. You can try something else to solve that problem. Yeah. But if you don't love the problem and you're in love with the solution, if the solution doesn't work and you have to pivot it, you're going to lose all motivation to do that. And you're not going to want to do it. Yeah. We were in love with the idea of making a software company, which was the solution that we were going to solve that problem with. Yeah. Then when we found out that we had to pivot it to more of a traditional car cleaning business for it to work, we lost all motivation to do that because that is the last thing that we wanted to do, mm. right? And so that's the the big lesson from that. I mean, there's so many takeaways, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't an easy conversation to have. We got rinsed. Um, you know, they taught us a lesson, but something I'm really passionate, I'm really striving towards, right, is actually um, what I'm really striving towards is being able to pay back those investors and pay them back the money. It's something I'm so keen to do when I make a lot of money is actually pay them back because they're the first guys that ever took a punt in us. Mm. And having that conversation where I can, and, and Sam, we can go and meet with them the same spot it started and have an envelope filled with cash and say, thanks for backing us. Mm. Like that's going to be a really amazing thing because they really helped us on our journey and, um, you know, allowed us to go all in on this, on this business for 12 months. Um, and, and the lessons are invaluable and, and really increased. Where do you even find someone to invest in something like that though? Yeah, it's a great question. Like investors, I get asked this question all the time Mm. because it's not the, it's not the only business that I've got investors for. And, and I, it, it's funny. We needed a, we need an accountant for our for our our taxes, our personal taxes that year after cleaning all of these cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we just need an accountant. And 
we met these guys through a connection that we had and then they um yeah they kind of uh got to know all about the business that we we're running and we just needed to file a tax return and all of a sudden they started giving us some free business advisory they wanted to help us out mm -hmm. and so we kept going into these guys place and uh this firm and they were giving us advisory like every week they'd give us like an hour of their time it was wow. like a four thousand dollar a month package that they would yeah. sell they were giving us for free and then so they knew everything about our business and then so they knew the next step for the business was to raise and we sort of listen to them. they knew about that and then we're like well do you want a piece of it? Um, and then we ended up pitching it to them, showing where we wanted to get to. And they knew everything about the business. So they were like, yeah, done. And so they put in most of the money. And then we had another investor that put in some other money was through uh -huh. a contact. But my answer for people that always want to try and get money and, and how they find it is like network without any expectation and not knowing when you're going to need that person and know that one day they might come in handy. Mm. And it's so powerful because like, like we would make all these connections and just network like little, little, like we would just run a market, go to all these free events and networking, take people out for coffees and do all this stuff, mm. not knowing when we we're ever going to need to use these yeah. people. But then when we needed to raise money, all of a sudden we got all these networks and connections that people have coin and they know us and they know our story. And most of the time, people that were investing into me and Sam were investing into us and mm. the idea. They believed in us. Yeah. And so building that trust from a young age and people, you know, seeing their younger self and we were so young yeah. and we use that to our advantage, not to our disadvantage, which is a complete perspective switch and something I'm really passionate about helping people do as well. But like we used our age and our naivety to our advantage. Mm. And the because we did that, it really propelled us forward in terms of the way people that were older than us viewed us. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. I had no idea about that business. That's so cool. I want to fast forward now to, I guess, Fizz days. When did, um, yeah, because this is kind of where I started to meet you, I reckon, yeah. probably right around 20 years old. What, um, what was that next chapter after you wind down that business? How do you find your way into the next stage in life? Yeah, so I went and got a job at a bar and I was working at Watson's Bay Hotel and... Uh, through Watson's Bay Hotel, I, um, I, yeah, I, I then ended up getting this sales job for a tech company in the hospitality industry. And I just got that through one of the managers there was like promoting it. And the owner of Watson's Bay Hotel at the time was invested in this company, Wiley, that I was working with. And I just sent them a video to try and get the job. And I sent this video recording and resume and I met with them. And I was so underqualified for this job, but I just use my words to get my way in there. But I was shit. I was like so bad in comparison. But I got this another sales job. And then that sales job kind of allowed me to um, get better at communicating, get some wins under my belt in terms of in-person sales. I was doing like cold call sales and I was going in person, doing presentations in person. I was getting really good at sales. And then I saw Fizz was advertising and um, – you know, I'd followed Fisher and I, I'd saw that whole community and I'd connected with Wade on LinkedIn and um, and then I saw Fizz with advertising. So again, I sent them a video resume and Wade was, um, yeah, he, I, I dug up his personal email so it didn't just go to the info email and I CC'd him in the email when I sent him the video resume and like straight away he got back to me, mate, I love this. 
Um, I'll be back to you shortly. And then in his email response, his phone number was in the signature. And I'm like, fuck it. We're hiring for a sales job here. Um, showing myself. confidence is cold calling the guy. That doesn't get much more confident than that. Mm. So then I cold called the CEO of Fizz, Wade, and was like, hey, mate, it's Chris. Um, you just responded to my email. I was, in, I was inquiring about a job. He's like, oh, hey, mate. And then he was like, yeah, look, I'll get back to you soon. And then what happened was we went into a massive lockdown again. So we had to go into lockdown. This was 2021. Mm. We had to go into this lockdown. And so they took the roll down because um, we took the roll down because, yeah, they couldn't. Um, yeah, basically, they, they we couldn't go out on the road yeah, and they yeah. didn't need it, right? And then I just kept staying in touch with them for when it would free back up. Like it was his birthday. I'd send him a little video saying happy birthday and stuff. And, um, and then when the time came, uh, I got a random call one day from Wade saying, hey, are you still looking for a job? And I was, it was perfect timing because I was really sick of this job that I was in. I was, so, I was hating it so much. And I said, yes. And then that kickstarted my journey at Fizz. And I was with, at Fizz for like 18 months. You know, it was so amazing. You're working with the team there, getting to, you know, hang out with Fisher and run events and use his name and face to promote a brand and sell that into venues and bottle shops and manage the whole state of New South Wales. It was a massive learning curve and experience for me for sure. Mm, it, it's so cool. Like that's where I met you. And then we've still got stuff I want to get through, but we're yeah. not going to go for way too much longer. So I want to try and somewhat speed past your software as a system job. I mean, yes, business that, that. You, that you created that you kind of let go of. Because I remember when I met you a couple of years ago around the fizz time, that's where I met you. You were pretty big on doing content and you were trying to post self-development stuff and you were posting every day for so long without any traction. When did putting yourself out there and starting to share content online and share your image and your knowledge to the greater community of social media, when was that put into your mind as something to do? And then how did you persevere for so long before you found your niche that obviously blew up to where you are now? Yeah, I, I started posting content. Um, it was helping people that were in my shoes in grade 12 that bridged that gap from school to the real world. So I was posting like business fundamentals and things of that nature for people that were in their final years of school and helping them bridge that gap. And the page was called Prime Juni. It wasn't, it didn't, wasn't even under my name. And then I, was, I posted 100 videos of that style. And then um, it was scattered across. I was doing very consistent for a couple of months and then I slowed down and stopped posting and then I would like every now and then post when I had like some thoughts and then I'd go through like a little stint of doing like a week straight or two weeks straight. So I posted 100 videos of that on TikTok and Instagram. I gained like 200 followers on Instagram. And then last year, so 2023, um, I was in a relationship and um, then we broke up in May and I, yeah, it was, it was tough because it was, I, I hadn't really let anyone in since my girlfriend at high school. I was so focused on me and I, you know, I, I was very strict with letting people in. I wouldn't hang out with girls for longer than three dates because I didn't want to, like, if I identified that they weren't going to be someone that I could be with for a long time, I didn't want to waste anyone's time and, yeah. and create this feeling and dig a hole deeper that I had to get out of. But with this girl, I just had never believed any people like this even existed. And I was like, really, like this girl was just so amazing. And so, yeah, it hurt. But um, 
we broke up and I started learning a lot about relationships and understanding the subconscious mind and the psychology behind the things that you do and how that can affect like the way people view you. And I started sharing some of my lessons um, of that on social media. And I just posted a few videos here and there. And then my mentor said at the end of May, he said, he said, um, May, I, I just sorry. Just one more thing before that is after just before before I just left Fizz at the time too, just left Fizz. Um, I was trying to do the software company, this new one we have. We won't go into, but um, I was I was trying to do this, and I thought, all right, things are about to ramp up. I'm about to get really busy, so I went on a solo trip to Thailand for eight days by myself, and went to Thailand because I was supposed to go to Bali with my ex, and I was like, I'm not going there anymore. She was there, and I was like, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Thailand. And then I was like, it's about to ramp up. So I'm going to go reset. And I came back and my mentor said, I want you to, I'm going to challenge you to post a video every single day of June. And I said, scrap that, I'll do two. And I posted two videos every single day of June. And I was just trialing a bunch of shit, seeing what stuck. And then on day eight, my first video went viral. It got like half a million views on TikTok. Um, and, and yeah, it was about like moving on from a, a, a like your girlfriend. What's your thing, Mike? What's your, what's it called? Yeah. Something quote or? Oh, the hard hitting quotes. Hard hitting quotes. This wasn't even before. So that wasn't yet. even This then. was before the okay. quotes. So yeah, it got like that and I gained a little bit of traction from that. And then I it was like, okay, people love the relationship stuff. Let's stick. And then, and then I started, then I was like, okay. This is getting a bit of traction. Let's try to do like a series of, and I was hearing some cool quotes and stuff. And and then I did some hard-hitting quotes. And then the third quote went viral. And the third quote got like a million views and that really kick-started it. And then I rebranded it. At, at, during this time, I noticed my TikTok was blowing up, but my Instagram wasn't. And then I was like, well, the Instagram's under primed uni. Mm. So then I rebranded that to my name and made it more Chris Griffin and had a face of me and stuff. And I realized that people follow people, right? Yeah. And so as soon as I changed my name, it was obviously coincidence when I was posting the content. Then it really started blowing up. And then I started gaining followers on both. And then the hard-hitting quotes was the proper thing that really took that off. Um, you know, in 2023, in the last six months of 2023, I gained over 120 million views across, um, across TikTok and Instagram and things really blew up. Um, you know, there was, there was on, by the end of June, after that challenge of posting to a day, um, I went from 200 followers to a hundred thousand followers in June. And then by the end of July, I had over 300,000 followers across Instagram and TikTok. And then by November, I had over 500 on TikTok and 200 on Instagram. And then now it's like slowed down a little bit. It's a little bit over 200 now on Instagram. And then the the TikTok's on like 600 and something. And, um, And it's quite crazy because what it did instill into me is like things can change really quick. Your life can literally 180 and transform so quickly mm. and whenever i take people through certain processes and they have that that 20 year goals mm. i'm like you don't need 20 years you're limiting yourself you can do all of that in three to five years i guarantee you, if you put your mind to it and it just really is a bit of a perspective switch on like don't give yourself too long if it takes longer than expected fine but if you allow too long for something you're you gonna complacent. you're gonna take that long to do it mm. and things took a full 180 last year and my career path went from fully like switched and things quite life quite literally changed in a few months. Crazy. Yeah. You went from like software business guy, not that you're not anymore to now motivational 
fitness, bringing people along the journey, building community and helping people with their well-being, with their relationships, with their life, which is just so cool to see. You've mentioned a few times throughout the chat mentors. I'm someone who I don't have like a paid mentor or anyone that I would call even a mentor right now, but it's something that I hear certain people quite often talk about. How do you find your mentors and what's the process of that? Because I feel like it's obviously been something super important to you and I feel like people listening will be like, how do I find a mentor? Like what's mm. a, what, where do you even like look for a mentor to help you on that path? What's been your journey with mentors? There's a key thing to note about mentors and a mentor is someone that, and there's, this isn't the definition of it, but this is my definition of it. A mentor is someone that has what you want and you're inspired by the fact that they have it. And it's so important that the mentor has an aspect of their life that you aspire to be or have or obtain. Mm. Because people, there's all these like things in, in universities and stuff where they'll give you a mentor. I get messages all the time. Hey, I've been like, I've won this competition and I receive a mentor for 10 sessions. And I'm like, who is that? Like, you should find your mentor because the, the like, you got to be looking up to this person and have want to have something that they have in, in, in their life. Mm. And, and even more importantly as well is to know is you can't just find a mentor and they're going to do all of everything for you. The mentor is supposed to give you the inspiration that it's possible and the belief that it's possible because they've achieved it. Mm. It's supposed to open your mind to what is possible and the belief that that's ha that can happen. But then you've got to go and do the work. Yeah. And it's really important to note that because people just think, oh, yeah, I'm going to find a mentor and they're going to help guide me on this journey. It's like, yeah, they're going to guide you. They're going to tell you what they've done well. They're going to say what, what's good and what's bad. And it's up to you to then action that and, mm. and, and take it. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's like knowledge is not power. Knowledge is only potential power yeah. and, and, and understanding that, but then equally like using a mentor wisely so they don't feel like they're like, you're, it's a chore to work with it. Yeah. I found the way you meet mentors is just by networking and putting yourself out there and getting into places that people, um, that are better than you are at. And, mm. and I can't give you an answer as to why they, where they are. You just need to find that, that crew yeah. and, um, and obviously get in those rooms. But what you'll find is if you're constantly working on leveling up you and you're a youngster, they're going to see their younger self in you. Mm. And it's going to be really inspiring because they're going to see their younger self in you and they're going to want to help you because they would have loved to have a person like them in their life. Mm. And so being able to use that, as I said earlier, that age and that naivety to your advantage, because you being naive is going to put you in those rooms that you probably, when you're older, be like, oh, I'm not going to go in a room like that. Yeah. But then your age, using that as an advantage, when you say that you're 18 and you say that you're 20 or 25, whatever, and there's this older person and they go, what? Like this guy's young and he's in this room. Mm. Like, well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. So yeah, to answer the question about like, how do you go about finding mentors? can't really give you an answer open to meeting yeah. people always and keeping your options open and not judging and like being willing to step into a room and have a conversation like i guess i wouldn't say he's a mentor of mine but yeah, i guess a mentor is um a friend of mine herman john winning who's been on this podcast as well i'm going to catch up with him straight after this he's like just got voted at best um ceo of 100 million dollar plus companies and he's, I saw him on Saturday night and he was like, oh, come into my office. I want to share with you this new project. I'm going to try and tie you into it. But I've learned that he's only willing, not, not only willing to help 
but it's because I've been putting the runs on the board that now he's like, okay, I'm worth giving my time to Cooper now because he's actually going to respect it and do something with it. And I feel like same thing. I see, think he sees in myself and Alex, my best mate, who's also good friends with him, almost a younger version of himself. And mm-hmm. like, it's like, oh, that's like, it's good to have that young energy around. So like as much as people who you like look up to, you can't put them on a pedestal because that's when they look down to you. You've got to sort of be a sponge and, yeah, respect what they're doing, but also have your own input and show that you're curious and listen and want to learn from them. And when you're in those rooms, you need to try your best to make you make you feel equal. Mm. You can in your mind be like, I'm so out of place here, but make them look like you feel like right. an equal. The act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence. Exa- exactly yeah. right, right? And so when you are going to a mentor's house or, and, they, and they've just got a, a Ferrari parked in there, like you can say nice car and compliment it, but don't go jumping and rearing up this awesome car oh God, yeah. because they're going to instantly feel this divide because yeah. that's normal for them. Mm. And all their friends has one too. Yeah. And go in there and like you can compliment it and say nice things, but as soon as you, as you, as soon as you like make it seem like it's on a pedestal or far away, that's when they start looking down. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, he's just a little kid. Yeah. And they're never going to do business with you when it's that. They're yeah. going to help you and still like you're still going to be able to they're still going to be able to inspire you but when you really want to make those changes is when they feel like they can invite you to their family or friends dinners yeah. or their poker nights and you can come along exactly yeah. and it's like not even consciously looking down on you quite often it's subconsciously like you put them on a pedestal and you start going oh my god nice car like oh how'd you do that it's like you get over the top and they don't want to be around that sort of energy so subconsciously they start looking down on you whereas when you can yeah do your What's best to treat too yeah, yeah exactly yeah. I want to get to what you're up to now. This is going to be the end sort of little segment because it's been pretty exciting watching kind of the last three months since you've grown the big social media following for kind of a specific version of content. A lot of it came from the back of those um, quotes that we, you, you were doing. But now you've had to transition to turn it into your entrepreneurial mind and build a business off the back of this following that you've created Tell me about your um, new fitness crew that you've been a part of here and the new direction that you're looking to take 2024. I think, honestly, the big focus this year is actually um, the podcast and really trying to grow that and have meaningful conversation. But, yes, there's been a big pivot with, you know, the style of content because I realized, like, me is why people are following me because of what I say, but they also connect with me. And... Me sitting in a car and filming, although that might be helpful for people, it's not a good representation of who I am. Mm -hmm. And there's so much in my life that I do that's not documented, but I think documenting the actual life that I live and aspects of that is really powerful Mm. and and also just a true representation of who I am. And fitness and health is such a big part of my life. And I thought if I document that more – it's going to be more of a rep. When someone looks on my page, they're going to have a bit more of an understanding of who I am. Mm. And that's going to be a really cool thing for me when I'm sharing my space and, and profile with people and I'm traveling overseas. But yeah, I started documenting more of the stuff I was doing. So in the days, the training, the, um, the health and nutrition aspects, the things I'm really passionate about, the food I was eating, the places I was going, the... Um, recovery tactics that I was doing and all the training that I was doing and people were loving it and I did surveys of people of what if they enjoy the the fitness style content and they loved it and so I thought let's keep 
on this train a little bit more. I'm so glad that I've been able to branch out a bit more. And admittedly, it's not viral like I know I can when I'm speaking to camera. But I feel like it's got a lot more longevity in it in the sense that it's more me. Mm. And, it, and it's really not forced in the slightest. And it's really authentic. But the business side behind it is also working with brands and opportunities like that. It's not really existent in um, with the old style of content. I remember even when I was talking to you and you're putting me in touch with your management and she's like well how could i tie content into this mm. right and it's a bit tough and knowing that if i opened it up to health and wellness it's a forever ending yeah. opportunity of pool to, to work with mm. and you know it's already been a reflection of that just in the short time that i've been doing that but then equally um you know like creating different omni-channel experiences where we've got in-person communities, online paywall communities, um, and all things along those lines, which is so amazing too. Um, and then the opportunity to travel and connect with people that are in the like-minded industries. And um, and I just think the the opportunity is has way more longevity in it, and that's why the pivot happened. Yeah, I think it's epic. And the content you're putting out now and the community you've built and the people you're around seem to be far more aligned with who you are as a person than maybe doing sales and software and all this other stuff. Now it looks like you're in this sort of healthy, happy direction that you want to go. Just quickly, let me know about the business that you guys are doing. If you want to promote that, the subscription, do you want to tell me more about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you can, you guys can check it out a bit more online, but yeah, basically it's, it's like a, called. it's a community where people can, um, yeah, a community where people can basically, it's it's got an online education platform where people are going to be able to learn about the modern the modern dream, I guess you could say. It's that whole concept around if you're, you were to give a 17-year-old kid the option of having a lawyer's degree or a full-blown doctor's degree straight after school or a million followers, who would they, what would they pick? And 99% of them would probably pick the, the, the million followers, right? And so when you actually conceptualize that, like the most prestigious career that you can get possibly get out of school, the most prestigious thing, a doctor, become a doctor or a lawyer. And you could say, slap a number, a one, a one and an M on someone's Instagram profile and give them to that. And they'd rather do that than the uni. And you kind of go, wow, that's where the world is he heading. The, mm. the social currency is so powerful. So basically in this community, it's just online where it's actually teaching you a bunch of different things, things like the social explosion, how to blow up your socials, how to monetize your socials, um, and then obviously other aspects of um, of of like mindset. I talk about a lot of different and other things, and health. and fitness and health. What's it but called? It's called on the daily. But the daily. if I'm completely honest, what we're trying to do is strip it right back now. And you know, it was a good response, but. I think it's a bit premature for us to have this community um, online and for us to manage it because we have so much going on. And so we might be stripping it all the way back to a free community um, that people can engage in and like we can do the things like the run clubs and do different mm -hmm. challenges online. Right. So, watch, so watch this space. So watch the space. So yeah, that's, that's, um, that's like kind of in the... But yeah, see our big the focus back, is the, the podcast this year building your socials, working with brands and yeah, trying to share that valuable content that you have. Yeah, I think the podcast is so special, right? And you know this more than ever. It's it's being able to speak to someone more of a longer form and, and there's a lot of power in that and, and I think it's really amazing. It's really authentic and yeah, I'm just really excited to, to, to get that off the ground and get that running and it's a long game for me but um, I think that's going to really 
go well into when I want to, um, you know, write a book and tour the world and do some more public speaking and things of that nature. And I think this is a really good start. Oh, it's the best networking tool you'll ever get. The people you meet, the opportunities that can come from podcasting is just so special. But man, this has been a good fun day together. We've done the swim, we've gone for a run, we've done a little workout, had some brekkie, done your podcast. Now we've done my podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. I do finish my podcast with the same question, though, for everyone. I'm sure you probably know what's coming. Hopefully you've listened to one or two of my podcasts along the way. But what does being a good human mean to Chris Griffin? Well, you use the word empathy a lot. Um, I think understanding people's scenarios and being empathetic for them is a massive part of that. I think there's so many aspects of being a good human, right? Um, But if you were to really strip it back down, being able to focus on all the good instead of the bad, because when you're dreading on bad, especially when you're around people or projecting that on someone, it's, it's really bringing down the vibe. So being able to have that ability to focus on the good. And then if you get you know, some hatred come to you, just be like, oh, they're probably going through something tough and not being able to, make things worse than they can be and realizing Mm. that there's so much good around us and to be able to focus on that will really give off this good vibe. But then also just sharing kindness and love for people Um, and, you know, all the little things you talk about all the time, like, like, like saying thank you so much to the girl at the cafe and, and, and doing those little things for people that can maybe go a long way because mm. they might be having a really shit time and they needed to hear a couple of nice words from you. Yeah, it's just having so the self-awareness yeah. of the impact that you can have. So many of us are just so quickly running through life, but it's like, wait, every time you interact with someone is an opportunity to make their day better or to make their day worth, make their day better. Yeah, and I think it shows massively... Um, and, and it contributes to how present you are. Mm. The more present you are, the more you're conscious of doing those things yeah. as well. And that's a big thing my, my, my ex actually taught me was just to slow down from here mm. and there. I used to go for a swim in the ocean and would run out straight away, grab the towel, go up and leave. And she used to tell me to just like, like sit down like let's after the swim like let's sit down on the beach or Mm. like let's just stand there for a bit and and just soak it all in and you know maybe just sit down after the swim and have a little chat or something where i'd never do that Mm. i'll get in the water get out dry off hop straight in the car drive play music and or something and always have something in my ears and that ability to slow down being present follows into so many other areas of your life right and Mm. i think it can really allow you to be a good human a lot more and a lot more enjoyable person to be around too mate i absolutely love it well thank you so much for jumping on it's been a great chat it's been a long time coming yeah but man i'll leave in the show notes for everything um all your social media everyone can come check out everything you're doing but brother thank you so much for jumping on good humans pod appreciate it man ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 